What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, and an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I am your host uh, for this week's episode, Caleb Pearson, joining me uh, in the podcast booth, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Doing well. Good. Thank you for being here. So this is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know, there's that Hollywood writer strike going on. Evidently, Alicia and Mark are also (laughs) on strike. Uh, They want more pay from me. I guess zero (laughs) dollars an hour wasn't wasn't high enough. But uh, no, they're not here with us this week. Uh, One thing we wanted to do, Mark, was unpack uh, something you brought up in the sermon. And I don't know what it's been like for you since, or if you had a lot of conversations with people, but I've had a lot of people reach out that are excited to listen to this. A lot of visitors even are like, he he mentioned something, some sort of podcast, what is that? So I was able to have good conversations with people, but I do know people are eager to hear a little bit about what you brought up this weekend. Yeah, Um, well, it's it's one of the um, values of doing a sermon um, podcast, um, Sermon Spotlight, it allows us to talk a little more depth in terms of some of the applicational stuff we do week by week, but also some content things that just you just don't have. I just don't have time to mm-hmm. uh, unpack in a in a in a forty minute message. So, yeah, this is a good time to go a little deeper. Uh, on on something like this topic here. Yeah. So we were in Acts 15, the last couple of weeks really, unpacking mm-hmm. this this Jerusalem council and, mm-hmm. and really getting to the heart of the gospel message, what it is, what it isn't. And I just want to recap a little bit. You, you shared some common phrases and some things in your sermon that are often associated with what it means to to, to be a Christian or to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And some of those things are give your life to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, open your heart to Jesus, pray and receive Christ, or or make Christ Lord mm-hmm. of your life. These are common mm-hmm. spiritual phrases. Um, so why did you bring those up? And, and, I, and I know a lot of us have heard that at some point. Maybe we've believed it at some point, or maybe it was inculcated into our our belief, but why was it important to clarify those things, and then and then why why do you want to head to where we're about to head here? Well, uh, what we are studying is Acts fifteen, mm-hmm. and that took that was an incident that took place two thousand years ago. So as you study and teach the Word, when it comes to application, you want to uh, work at bridging the gap of what what was going on there to that audience. And how can what was being applied there? That the the applic- why Luke wrote that two thousand years ago for that audience? Mm-hmm. How does it transfer over here? So now you want to bridge yeah. those worlds. And um, the issue that the Jerusalem Council was all convened for was how does one get saved? Basically, mm-hmm. uh, because Paul and Barnabas and Antioch were challenged by some people that came from Jerusalem no doubt Jewish brothers that said, uh, no, you got to be circumcised and and obey the Mosaic law in order to be saved. And mm-hmm. um, um, they went to Jerusalem and it was, uh, the debate was re-engaged in verse five when uh, it says some Pharisees uh, who were believers um, said, you know, no, they you need a, so it's the whole issue of um, what must one do to be saved. Mm-hmm. Two thousand years ago in Jerusalem, it was you got to be you got to follow Judaism. Mm-hmm. Two thousand years later, the question is still the same: What must I do? But the issues are different, and that was a list of things. So anything that adds something we do—that was the connection. Mm-hmm. This is what we do: obey the the Mosaic law, 
Today, it might not be obey the Mosaic law, but it might be something, and it's subtle. It's, it can be something we do, but it's still... Very subtle, and oftentimes there's good in- intentions or we think behind it, because yeah. this is a different example of conflict. This isn't persecution from outside the church. Right. This, this, is, this is a circling of wagons going, wait a second, what do we all... Yeah. What, what needs to happen Let's here? Let's be on the same page here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, 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 as I said, maybe in all the services, I can't remember, I was overstating the point to make the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that just like 2,000 years ago, the Jerusalem Council was convened to be clear, to make clarity to the proclamation of the gospel. So we too today need to be clear in the proclamation of the gospel, and that means avoiding anything that says, I did something. Mm-hmm. That's that was my whole point. Let's just yeah. avoid those phrases, or let's just let's just use the terminology that the the one. Um, book in the in the Bible that was written for an evangelistic purpose, the Gospel of John. The one word that was used is believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just stay with that and not muddy the waters mm-hmm. because it was getting muddied back then. It, it's get, it's muddy today. Now we, we can add. You know, my audience, our audience, Sunday morning, they they weren't going to have a problem with that. You got to be baptized. Everybody might nod, and and that's something we do baptism, mm-hmm. but. Some of these other little phrases are some things we do can get slipped into. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't camp on being baptized to get saved because most people got that settled. Mm-hmm. But what about all these other little phrases? And Let's that, just be clear. And as you're overstating the point to make the point, as you say, people are going to even have scripture come in mind. Well, okay, Mark. Well, what about what about this passage? That's right. That that says that says this. That's in right. This way. And so I was trying to be preemptive uh-huh, uh-huh. by bringing up the James passage mm-hmm. because if we go to that James passage, I mean, it says uh, James two fourteen. What use is it, my brethren? If someone says uh, he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him, or can faith save him? The the word that isn't in there in original. It just says, can faith save him? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that. The, James is just asking point blank that question, can faith save you? Mm-hmm. And in the Greek language, the implied answer is a negative. The, the, the way it's constructed, it would require a negative answer. So he's actually answering himself by asking the question in a certain way with a particular um, negative in the Greek language. Can that faith save him? Can faith save him? And the required answer is, no, it can't. Hmm. So all of a sudden, now we're at conflict, it seems, with Mm -hmm. what the Apostle Paul over and over again, for by grace we're saved through faith, not of your you not of yourselves, not of works, mm-hmm. uh, to him who worketh not, but believeth to him. So let me pause you there real quick. What is there context about the book of James then that's helpful when we when we dissect and when we unpack it? Because I, I appreciate you're going to the Greek and you're going to the verse. Well, what is, what is different about the book of James than the book of Acts or even one of Paul's letters? Well, again, in any Bible study, you, you start with that verse and you look at that, and the key interpretive issue is what does it mean to be saved? Mm-hmm. What did James mean by that? Mm-hmm. And we jump to the conclusion, well, he must have well, saved to save, right? Going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Saved so, from hell. Right? right, saved from hell, eternal mm-hmm. uh, eternal damnation, mm-hmm. uh, getting to heaven. So we start there, and then we say, is there anything in the context that would cause us to... What, what did James mean by that? What was the intent of the original author... And the context will help determine that. So there's a near context. If you go back in James chapter 2, that that whole section um, 
uh, chapter two, one through 13. It's that story of the, the wealthy man comes in, you give him the place of honor, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the poor person you, you, you ignore and you relegate. It's how, it's how we treat one another. He's talking, by the way, to brothers and, mm -hmm. and sisters right. in Christ. Everything that James says, in fact, even in that verse 14, what use is it, my brethren? Addressing believers. He's addressing believers. Mm -hmm. And now in, the, in their context, the, the, the previous context, here was a situation in the church where people were showing favoritism. Mm -hmm. And he, he talks about um, verse 9, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and, and are convicted by the law as transgressors. This is James talking about, first epistle written in the New Testament written to uh, believers, but they were Jewish mm -hmm. believers. Mm -hmm. And it says in verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles in one point is guilty of breaking it all. So he's he's telling them, you know, you guys are all lawbreakers having that attitude. But then um, uh, he says, uh, just jump to verse 13. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. So now he's applying this. Here's the church. Here are believers. They're showing partiality. They're merciless to the less fortunate. They're showing favoritism to the wealthy. And what James is saying is, you know what, folks? Judgment's coming. You jump to what is the judgment that believers are going to be under? It's called the judgment seat of Christ, the behemoth seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. And he said, we're going to have to give an account Everything, 1 Corinthians 3, it's going to be tested. The day will reveal it. What were mm -hmm. your motives? What were your attitudes? And we will stand and give an account at that judgment seat, and it's going to be merciless to those who've not shown mercy. Mm -hmm. But mercy triumphs over the judgment. So when we show mercy to people and grace to people, when our actions um, are in line with Christ's actions uh, in terms of how we treat people, um, we're spared because Paul called that, or James called that sin. You're committing sin. You break mm -hmm. one, you know, the whole law. You're guilty of committing it all. Um, James is is basically saying um, uh, we're spared from the consequences of that mm -hmm. if uh, if if you've put into practice the heart of the gospel. Mm -hmm. After saying that about judgment will be merciless, he the very next verse, and there's no chapter or verse, you know, right. separations in the original, but the very next phrasing is, and so what use it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can faith save him? Well, save him from what? Well, what was the immediate context? The very first the verse just prior to that mm -hmm. is the judgment seat of Christ and, and having that meted out on us um, by our Savior, by Christ, the righteous judge, who will judge each which man is, according which to his is, works. Uh, this is why we're doing this, by the way, because that's the question that's begged from this weekend's sermon. Well, what about my works then, or what about my actions? You, you can't just preach grace and then give everybody a license to sin, right? It's not that's that right. there is a license to sin. Right. It's that this weekend, hey, we were unpacking Acts 15. I had some people say, well, why, why would Mark not share James 2. And I said, well, you'd be sitting there another 45 minutes yeah. if, well, if we were to unpack it. Service, uh -huh. I did... Uh, share a little, a little bit. bit of I, it. I alluded to it, and then sure. I alluded to the judgment seat of Christ, they, which I didn't in yeah. the first service. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So another reason this is good, but another thread I'm seeing here, Mark, is do not spiritually <laughs> define a word before you define it grammatically when you're unpacking the Word of God, right? Because you it, have to be exegetically sound, which mm -hmm. involves context. Right. 
Because judgment's a buzzword. I can assume, That's right. oh boy, someone's going to hell. That's right. Salvation's a buzzword. Going to Rescue from, nobody Rescue. says from what, they yeah. already assume. That's right. It's got to be from hell. That's right. But there are other things happening. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So context will help determine the meaning. Mm -hmm. Like if I, uh, I've, I've used this many times as an illustration. If I say the word trunk, I think we've done that here in a podcast before, trunk. Well, people might think of an elephant trunk or a mm -hmm. car trunk or a trunk that you put old things in. Mm -hmm. Context determines. So when I say, if I say I was out on a safari and I saw uh, this big uh, pachyderm with a long thing, it was called a, you're not going to think of a car trunk. Mm -hmm. Context now has determined the meaning of that for, that word. Mm -hmm. Saved, safe from what? We cannot jump to the conclusion. And that's where you read commentaries on this thing. They all that jump. Is automatically mm -hmm. assumed anytime you mm -hmm. see the word saved, that's what it means. And the danger is if you isogete that verse then with the assumption, then you... I've seen commentaries do this, then you have to justify the rest of the text. You're, People will say, no, it isn't the judgment seat of Christ because that verse is referring to yes. hell. It's a backwards Your assumptions opposite. now dictate how yes. you're going to interpret Which the Which is dangerously common. It dangerously is, common. And that is you use the phrase eisegesis. Mm -hmm. You're reading into mm -hmm. ice, into the text as opposed to exegesis, letting it come out of the meaning of the text. So that that's the near context. Um, right there it, it, about the judgment seat of Christ. But if we go back to the broader context of James, um, we know that in chapter one, he's writing to uh, believers. Mm -hmm. uh, Twelve tribes in the dispersion. Yeah, believers, Jewish believers mm -hmm. scattered abroad. Um, and um, there is this um, clear, it's unmistakable that he has a burden. He's writing this burden for believers, who are under persecution, he starts with, now consider it all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let it have its perfect result, that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, perfect and complete or mature. What James is after is he wants his, the, the people he's writing to, his friends, these, these Jewish believers, to be, to, to be maturing in their faith. In the, and seeing how trials and tribulations and tough times, testing mm -hmm. of our faith, can produce that. And he, he talks about um, uh, being, well, verse um, 22, how does that, how, how do we do that? How is our faith matured? Well, verse 22, it's when we prove ourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So he's calling people to be doers of the word. Put your faith into action. Mm-hmm. Um, based on who you are, based Christ. on who you are. So, not, you know, consider it all joy. You know, mm -hmm. have an inward response of joy. Uh, verse five, have an op uh, upward response of faith-filled prayer for wisdom. When you're going through trials, ask God for wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, talk with God about it. Then, in verse nine and ten, he talks about uh, um, humility. Um, he talks about um, hope. At verse twelve. Uh, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. There's hope. There's something in the future. So so basically, run the race with endurance. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't let pressures and, and trials and tribulations hold you back. Um, and Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Well, so what does that look like? What does what being a doer of, of the word look like? And, and why is that so important, James? Well, because he said back in verse um, 21, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your 
and our translation says, save your souls. Well, there's the word save again. So now we're, we've got a broader context. That word is used, mm-hmm. which is able, he's writing to believers. Mm-hmm. So in what sense is our, is being a doer of the word going to save our souls? Well, mm-hmm. we have to understand that, right. that the basic idea of souls, to my knowledge, that phrase, save your souls, is never used in the New Testament of eternal salvation. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, he's worried about one's temporal life. And life before the judgment seat of Christ, mm-hmm. Christ which mm-hmm. is able to save your life. Mm-hmm. What, what, what does our life have to be saved from as believers? Well, he talked about earlier in verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God cannot uh, be tempted by evil and he doesn't tempt anyone. But then James says this, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is brought to full maturity, is accomplished, it brings forth death. Which is another spiritual words, buzzword. That's right. Mm-hmm. Does it mean eternal death? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is James getting at? He's writing to believers. Context, mm-hmm. good Bible study determines that. Uh, so we can't say, well, these are potential believers or these are are um, professing believers, but they're really not real believers. Mm-hmm. Where do you come up with that? It says it. They're mm-hmm. believers. Mm-hmm. So they're believers. Um, but there are, he's just said it, there are deadly consequences. The wages of sin. To, the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. Um, there are deadly consequences to sin. What do you mean deadly consequences? Well, um, we can experience death. That's right. He talks about grass. Uh, that that withers up uh, mm-hmm. the flowering grass. He will pass away. The sun then, you know, um, rises with the scorching wind, and so on and so forth. And 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 uh, so is a rich man in his pursuits uh, will fade away. Um, th- there are there is a withering mm-hmm. um, element, a, 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 a shrinking, a shriveling element of sin. When Jesus said, "I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly," he meant that. As born-again believers, we have everlasting life. We have mm-hmm. eternal life the moment. Part of the growth process and maturing process, through trials and tribulations, the reason we can count it all joy is that trials and tri- tribulations will perfect our faith. Mm-hmm. They'll help enliven our faith uh, as we obediently walk and are doers of the word and not merely hearers. Mm-hmm. So sin can shrivel up our, um, our experience of life and our heart is pumping, blood is going through our veins, but we're walking around in a world of death. In a world of death, and it stinks. And even Jesus himself used bold language like that. John 15, which I know is a whole other can of worms of yes. the vine and the, the uselessness and the cast into the fire, right? It's so easy to spiritually, oh my oh, goodness. Hell. We must be talking about yeah. hell. And before you know it, your whole base of Christianity is, is like somebody lighting a fire under your feet. You better go and do this. That's right. That is not true Christianity. True Christianity lights a fire in your heart and you understand who God is and live in response to it, not to attain it. And you then really experience life. There you go. Eternal life. That's what God is calling us to. It's a wonderful gift that we don't have to wait to heaven to get. Mm-hmm. We'll get it in all its fullness when this body mm-hmm. of death is removed and we get a new one. But the internal me is already alive, but it needs to be, it needs to grow. And here's, so, so here's a potential foolish response. Oh, whew, okay. It's not talking about, uh, death as in my my eternal life status. It's not talking about like I'm going to die and go to hell. Well, then I don't need to worry about it. 
No, he called it death. Right. right? There's a happy medium there where this is spiritual urgency. There's, and so in the broad, far context, mm-hmm. we're talking about death in terms of a temporal experience mm-hmm. of life. In that near context of chapter 2, 1 through 13, he's talking about a future Mm-hmm. Judgment seat of Christ, right. kind of. So we, we have not we, been granted to accept free grace and waste our time. That's right. And be like, eh, I'm off the hook. I'm no, going no. to heaven. There yeah. are co- very serious mm-hmm. consequences mm-hmm. if we live for self or we, if we live for Him, mm-hmm. a- and how we respond to the trials that God brings into our life to help uh, us um, gain that proper eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. So when He comes in chapter two and He says in verse fourteen, you know what, you know. Um, uh, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can faith save him? The answer mm-hmm. is no, it can't. Mm-hmm. Verse 17 says, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. In other words, death, it is the removal mm-hmm. of, uh, of an experience of of invigorating spiritual life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's, it's suffering the consequences, the shriveling impact of sin, that that sh- that shrivels us up into a very self-centered, very sad, unjoyful, un uh, uh, mm-hmm. inexpressive in terms of our relationship with Jesus, a Christian, and um, and we're walking around going to heaven. Issue is not about heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. We're heaven bound, but we're not enjoying the trip. Mm-hmm. We've said before, we, we look like we've been baptized in lemon juice. We're making every, ourselves miserable and anybody around us. Mm-hmm. It, it's a death. It takes place in homes. It takes place in relationships. It's radical separation. It's radical separation from. Mm-hmm. Can a faith that is not put into practice, can it save us? And James from answers, that kind of death. No, absolutely it not. Mm-hmm. It can't. And that's the number one thing I, I hear. Faith without works is dead. That's very... You could put it on a bumper sticker and scare everybody into doing things. Yeah. But but sound biblical study, sound tactics. And then remember, if <laughs> if a car is dead on the side of the road... No one drives past it and goes, that's not a car anymore. Mm-hmm. It's still a car. It's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's not serving a purpose in the here and now. It hasn't lost its identity. It's just good for nothing because right. it's sitting there. And right. this is the same. He is painting that picture to believers of this is why your faith still matters. That's right. Uh, and at the end of chapter one, he gives some very practical examples. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet doesn't bridle his tongue, mm-hmm. and he'll talk about the tongue later... But he, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Go visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. In other words, put your faith into practice. Mm-hmm. And again, the context, he's concerned about these believers who are being persecuted. They're under trials, and it would be very tempting to just become... Uh, you know, chameleon Christians. Let me just mm-hmm. blend into the Roman society so I won't get hurt. Yeah, you hear when Stephen was stoned, yeah. and you're going, okay, maybe this isn't what Not I signed for up for. That's right. And you get a letter, Yeah. and you're like, "What? I need this letter. What's in here? Yeah. Hopefully it's an encouragement and, one way or the other. It's a James, tipping point. And James is just putting some red flags out there and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, mm-hmm. hold it. You can actually count it joy because your faith, though, it's being tested. Mm-hmm. If you put it into practice, like taking care of widows and orphans in distress, very mm-hmm. practical things. Mm-hmm. Um, your faith is going to be enlivened, so be a doer of the word and mm-hmm. not a hearer only, because receive as you receive the word implanted, you can, you can save your life. From what? From the deadly consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. So a faith that is not put into practice, it's a dead faith. It's separated from life. It's useless. It's worthless. Mm-hmm. Can that kind of a faith 
save you from the deadly consequences of what sin will do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Put it to work. Put it into practice. And of course, we would add by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, put it into practice. And there's examples of this. You take um, King David. Now, he loved God. <clears throat> he walked with God. He was a man after God's own heart. But he sinned with Bathsheba. And if you read Psalm 32 or Psalm 51, I mean, the, Psalm 32 is so uh, so graphic. I mean, he <laughs> talks about, I mean, he, he, he was just shriveled up. Mm-hmm. The, it, like a parched soul. Uh, and that God was just like after him until he confessed his sin and, and agreed with God and he came clean with God. Well, th- those are Christians. After God's own heart. Uh, after yeah. God's own heart. Um, you know, you can, you can, you can tell a, a husband to go love their wives um, as Christ loved the church. He can go home. He can believe that loving wife is going to improve their relationship. But until he puts it into practice, there's still going to be a stench of death in that home. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, illustration after illustration talks about, the, in, in practical situations, of how deadly consequences, uh, the, the deadly consequences of sin, how putting faith into actions will enliven that faith and actually grow and mature your faith. Mm-hmm. The, in chapter two, we we didn't said we probably wouldn't have time to talk about this, but we could just refer to it briefly. In chapter two, um, it's interesting. Verse twenty one, mm-hmm. he brings up Abraham. In chapter two, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? And it's fascinating because the apostle Paul will use this very same Abraham to talk about being justified by faith alone and not mm-hmm. works. So again, you got to understand what's the context here. Uh, James, I think, is using the word justified in a, uh, I don't know if this is a phrase, Germanian way. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, as James would use it, mm-hmm. may, basically means, was not his, his faith um, realized. realized, vindicated, shown mm-hmm. to be growing and alive when he offered up um, mm-hmm. Isaac? You go through that scripture, verse 23, and scripture was fulfilled, which is, and Abraham believed God. Scripture was fulfilled that said Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, that scripture was shown to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, that's chapter 15 of Genesis. But he's talking about chapter 22 when Abraham had, was called by God to go sacrifice his son. Mm-hmm. And it, James's conclusion, verse 24, you see that a man is justified or vindicated by his works and not by faith alone. In the same way, it gives Rahab the harlot as an example when she trusted God and, and protected the messengers. For just as the body, verse 26 says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead. So think of the coronation, co- mm-hmm. correlation here. Mm-hmm. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Faith is analogous to the body, which needs the spirit to enliven it. Mm-hmm. Works or, or faith without works is Faith needs works to enliven it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it becomes dead orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and your Christian life is... Uh, Which you, means you it's... sit soaking sour and, and... And it means it's all one idea, too. Yes. James isn't transitioning to, now let me tell you about justification before Christ. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all one idea, because he confirms it with that last verse. So Abraham was declared right mm-hmm. in chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Um, seven chapters later, years later, when Isaac 
was called upon, and he steadfastly went to Mount Moriah, was willing to plunge the knife into mm-hmm. his son until God stayed his hand. Um, that act, that that obedience of Abraham continued to enliven his faith. Mm-hmm. It, it had been over the years, but man, that was a high watermark, uh, I think, of, of, of Abraham's development and maturing, because he mm-hmm. put his faith into action, because it says in the book of Hebrews, he knew that God could raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. So he put his faith in action, his faith was enlivened, and th- that's all that James is saying. So define death, define mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. define judgment, within the context of the book. And when we do that carefully with the book of James, we know that James is not talking about eternal salvation, heaven and health salvation, or eternal death. Mm-hmm. He's talking about for a believer who he's writing to, um, our faith can grow cold and can become useless. It can become a dead orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. Um Without, especially in the midst of trials and tribulations that are designed by God to help perfect, they test, just like Abraham was tested in his, in his faith, our faith can be proven to be, um, to grow, be enlivened, and we can have the experience of eternal life like never before. And that's the beauty of scripture is we can get the context of James, but also how do we know this is this is the right conclusion? Scripture is not going to contradict itself. That's right. The alternative take on some of these verses, I, maybe you're listening, I wholeheartedly disagree. I've heard it teach, taught the other way my whole life. The, the other way is going to have some other well, others problem you, You're going to have to do some major exegetical gymnastics because right, to make it all fit. Do not make mistake the point. James is mm-hmm. saying categorically, Mm-hmm. Faith does not save you if there's no work, if it, if it doesn't work. Can that faith save you? So now we have to do exegetical gymnastics to talk about, well, All the it was other verses real that... faith. Mm-hmm. They didn't have gen- genuine faith or real saving faith. After all, it says even mm-hmm. the demons believe and in if, Trump. And if that's the interpretation, then we are burdened with a measuring stick. Well, now we got to figure out who has a saving faith. You're right. And that's right. where we get these expressions of, oh, if, have you have you given your life to Christ? Have you prayed the prayer? Have you walked yeah. the whatever? And you have and, just um, taken away any mm-hmm. hope of assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I will measure you based on my level of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't do the things I don't do, then you're probably safe. But if you do the things I don't do, then I'm going to question your faith. And as I mentioned in the sermon, the problem is there's always someone higher than me. Mm-hmm. And if they do the same thing, they can question my faith. Because obviously your faith is a dead faith in terms of getting you to heaven because you're not. it's not producing the fruit or the work that I think it's... After all, the Bible says, by your fruit you shall know them. Another passage that is totally missed. Uh, taken out of context. Mm-hmm. So be careful in the Bible study. Heretical teachings, cult groups are formed upon the basis of improper exegesis. And I'm not saying here at Fellowship Bible Church, we got it all together. Mm-hmm. We don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we have to be careful and we have to hold each other accountable and be challenging one another uh, mm-hmm. in, um, in, in, in the scriptures. Yeah. And trust the Holy Spirit who is ultimately the one who will lead us and guide us into truth, because he wrote it. And that's why it's so important to talk about, is because the, the church is called to unity. But if we can't unite around the gospel, 
And this is causing disunity of whether or not you're saved. And we're all spending so much time figuring out which of us are saved and which of us aren't. Good grief. Yeah. In the eyes of God, that must that's heartbreaking yeah. to see us focused on that instead of other things. That's that right. The Bible has called us to... Well, I have a question, though, for you, Mark, as well. What, what do you say to somebody who's, who's all in on this idea, but they're scared of the judgment seat of Christ? What, 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 what is the judgment seat of Christ for? There's still going to be a judgment. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do works... In, to still be right in the eyes of God, or to still, I want to make sure that conversation goes wonderfully. I think you mentioned in your yeah. sermon, service yeah. in heaven. So uh, elaborate on that a little bit. How do well, you comfort somebody who's scared? One another hour? <laughs> of the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and if it's a loaded question, I apologize, but... No, no, it's it's uh, like baked potatoes. I like loaded questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, chapter 5 of Second Corinthians talks about... Um, you know, we're, uh, um, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so mm -hmm. that each one may be recompensed of his deeds, each one of us, mm -hmm. uh, um, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the next verse say? Verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Uh, Peter, First Peter talked about in First Peter chapter, uh, First Peter chapter 1, um, said um, in verse 17, if you address his father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. <laughs> um, a, a, there is a healthy biblical fear. Someone mm -hmm. relegated to respect, a reverence, reverence of awe. Mm -hmm. Yes, but, but if you're in the presence of someone um, that great and magnificent, and 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 there's awe. There's also going to be fear. Mm -hmm. There is a sense. It, it's the old Aslan statement. I, I know that, what he's uh, capable of, sort of. Yeah, yeah. it's it's the, the, the Lucy or whoever it was mm -hmm. asked the beavers uh, about Aslan. You know, is he safe? And the beavers said, "Who said anything about being safe? But he's good. He's the king. I tell you, he is good and he's gracious. Mm -hmm. But God is never safe. So uh, so." To answer your question, I don't think it's wrong mm -hmm. to have a, a healthy fear. sense of mm -hmm. of an awareness and a sense of of it's it, Paul, for Paul is motivating, knowing the fear of God. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing my work. Mm -hmm. um, now, that that having that 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 proper respectful sense of fear of God mm -hmm. does not um, take away from um, that we do it out of uh, that we that we serve him out mm -hmm. of a heart and of a love for him. Sure. So um, each man's work will be tested. The fire will show it. Mm -hmm. What were the motivations? Did I do it for self glory? Did I do it so other people would look at me? Why, why am I doing? If I do what all I'm these doing? things, but have not love. Yeah, I'm a clanging symbol. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it's a love for God and a love for others. That mm -hmm. is our deepest motivation. Paul said in in, in uh, uh, First Timothy, the goal of our instruction is love, and um, now love is a fruit of the spirit. It's mm -hmm. not self generated. Mm -hmm. It's something that is outside of ourself and our capabilities. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God. So to the degree that we're walking uh, before Him humbly, um, allowing Him to transform us in His power, the love. Well, his love will flow through us, and it's a love for God, and it's a love for others. Um, but it's always an awareness, as James said, um, 
you know, judgment is going to be merciless to those who don't show mercy. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do I do with that? Does that mean um, should I wake up in the middle of the night worried and, and biting my fingernails about how to love others? No, but I, I do need to be aware that that's important to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He cared about the orphans and the widows in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, and, you know, he cared about the injustices and the oppression of the world, uh, mm-hmm. among believers especially. Um, what is God calling me? How, how do I need to act like Jesus in this world? Um, be, Paul said in Ephesians 5, be imitators of me as I imitate God and walk in love. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to live our Christian life with the awareness that it's not just about this life. Right. It's about the life to come. And what, so what does that look like? It's fair to say no one at the judgment seat of Christ, he's not doling out hell to anybody. No. Okay. So what, what is... He, he, he doled that out to his son. Right, right, exactly. So it's been paid for. So, so what's, then what's happening at the, talk to me about this service, service in heaven. You really want to go into this, don't you? A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Well, I always go back to the parable of the minas or the minas. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the king went on a journey, blah blah blah. He gave his uh, servant called his servants, and one he gave uh, five, and another he gave two, and one he gave one. Mm-hmm. Go, do do business, serve me while I'm gone, because I'm mm-hmm. going to come back. And he did, and he called them together, and he said, "Okay, let's give an account. What did you do with the five I gave you? I did five more. I got ten. Here they are. Mm-hmm. What did you do with the two? I, I doubled it. So here, here it is. What did you do with your one? Oh, I hid it away. I, I know you're it. an exacting yeah. God, so I, I didn't do anything. Oh, you wicked slave! Mm-hmm. Still a slave. Still a servant of the king. But what I Slothful. have, what you have, yeah. I'm going to give to another. Mm-hmm. But he tells the one with the five who made ten, be over ten cities. The one mm-hmm. you be over five cities. The other one did not serve him in his realm." So uh, I think the whole judgment seat of Christ has to do with how we're going to serve the king in mm-hmm. the age to come or throughout mm-hmm. all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, which, is imp- which is important and, and helps us alleviate some of the concerns about free grace theology, a license to sin. Like, no, it, it, it's not a—there's no pass here. We're not, we're not, not at all. mitigating any sort of consequence. Because no. you and I have covered the worldly consequence over 30 minutes, but I just wanted to touch a little bit on— you know, we're stepping into that reward conversation. I know yeah. it's a long one. We're not going to do it, but how yeah. you serve, well, it has an impact. That's right, and it has an mm-hmm. impact temporally and e- eternally. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter twelve talks about uh, we all had fathers, earthly fathers, who disciplined us, um, and and God acts that way. He he reproves every son that he loves. He disciplines mm-hmm. us. And he mm-hmm. said he does that for our holiness, that we can share in his holiness. Mm-hmm. God cares about our how we live our life. And temporally, he'll spank us, um, and but he's preparing us to serve, the, serve him in the age to come. Look, if we think, <laughs> if we think the 80, 90 years, 70, 80, 90 years of this life is all there is, and then we'd be plucking harps for the billionth year of eternity, we, we, we're not reading the scriptures and we're not mm-hmm. studying the word. That's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. This is the proving ground. This is the speck of sand in the ocean of eternity. These 80 years of due strength, 90 years, is a speck of sand in the ocean of eternity, but it's a very valuable speck of sand in the ocean of eternity because how we live and how we serve the king in, in this earthly uh, sphere mm-hmm. is going to determine how we're going to serve the king and be used by him and honor him in the in this in the in the sphere of of the heavenly realm, look. Everybody's cup of joy is going to be full. 
mm-hmm. and brimming in, in the sense of their, their cup of joy is going to be full, mm-hmm. but some people's cup is going to be a lot bigger, mm-hmm. a lot greater capacity for experiencing that joy in the eternity mm-hmm. to come. That's how mm-hmm. I understand it. Yeah. And uh, that's why Jesus said in his parables, you know, enter into the joy mm-hmm. of the Lord. Uh, you know, there's, there's something that is awaiting us. Mm-hmm. That is too um, marvelous and too beautiful to to even comprehend, but he gives us enough inf- insight. Is that we'll stand before him, and there's warnings. Be careful what you do here, but if you love me and serve me and love others, and do it in a way that honors me, um, you'll be richly rewarded uh, mm-hmm. in in the age to come. Mm-hmm. Is that a motivation? Again, it was to the apostle Paul. It was to James, uh, or, or the writer of uh, or First Peter. First Peter tells us, First um, uh, Peter chapter one, he says, uh, talking about the trials and tribulations that we have. Uh, there, there's a salvation ready to be revealed, but he says in verse six, "In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, the testing." Mm-hmm. that goes through the, the fires and is found to be pure, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, your faith that is tested and proven mm-hmm. may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whose praise, glory, and honor? Yours. Mm-hmm. Where God says, well done, good and faithful servant. So as we're tested, James, count it all joy, because one day we stand before him and he will heap upon his children the praise, the glory, and the honor in service to him, the king, mm-hmm. based on our faithful service here. Take your Christian life and walk seriously. Mm-hmm. And praise well. God that there's a, a purpose to everything that happens. An encouragement I revisit often is the reality that even my suffering is biblical. That is that is such a gift mm-hmm. because for an unbeliever it's it's just suffering it's more death mm-hmm. but but God will use it for good and that's yeah. not a blind faith we've seen that stand that's the test right. of time and Scripture is our assurance it is our promise and so if the church can unite around this and and understand the sufficiency of Christ's blood in addressing things like well what now where do, what do I do from here mm-hmm. we can avoid some of the the pitfalls, despite mm-hmm. the necessary Jerusalem 15 conversation, we can avoid some of the pitfalls. That's right. Going, what What did he do on the cross? Because right. it wasn't most of it. That's it was right. All of it. That's right. Yep. Yeah. It's um. This is this is Christian life 101. Mm-hmm. It really is, and it's probably why James was the first epistle written. Mm-hmm. It hit it hit him right what was happening, mm. as um, they were being scattered with persecution, they were dying, giving up their life. Is this really worth it? And um, mm-hmm. he said, don't keep, don't retrogress, don't back away, um, count it joy, um, serve the king, guard against sin, uh, put your faith to work, and it'll grow, it'll mature, and um, um, you'll stand before him one day and you're well done. It's mm. good. We had a lot of questions, comments, uh, uh a lot of people eager to listen to this podcast, and so my encouragement is: don't don't take our word for this. Go to, go to the scripture, study it, and understand that it's it's all going to paint a picture of who God is. And if if we can live in response to who we are in Christ, instead of some sort of twisted way of trying to attain it, it it really is a game changer. And so. if you still have questions, 
Ask Caleb. <laughs> I was about to say your email. <laughs> Forget it. I'll take the blunt. Uh, Mark, thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate Fun. it. Thank you so much to our uh, weekly viewers and listeners. Again, we're on YouTube in the video version and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Just type in Sermon Spotlight. You'll see the purple logo. You pop right up. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless. God bless.